0: Hey there, listeners. (laughs) Welcome back to Radical Ones. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm here with my guy, Phineas. Uh, We've got an awesome episode for you today. Another example of a guest that's doing something entirely different than our last guest. Phineas, you want want to share with everyone who we're chatting with today?
1: Today we have Pace Rally. Pace is tackling the world of shipping and emissions. Pace is the co-founder of Clean Marine Energy. Their focus is re-engineering and financing a transition for all of the massive ships that move everything around this world to become carbon neutral, gradually moving towards zero emissions, right? So the, the long transition towards fuel efficiency and lowering emissions in the freight industry.
0: It was such a cool time to do this episode with them because it's, I think one of the reasons like the emissions from the shipping industry is kind of so invisible is, is we don't interface with it, right? It's like these things are literally in the middle of the ocean most of the time. And unless you work at a dock or near, you know, you live near docks in one of these major port cities, uh, you just don't interface with it. But, you know, a few months from now or a few months ago, we all got this one one course because that giant container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. And we learned that there are ships larger than the Empire State Building. We learned just how many ships there are going you know, all over the world at any given time because that thing only clogged up the canal for like a week. And there was hundreds of these massive boats waiting to get in there and messed up the whole global economy. And so it, it's just a fun time to release this episode and to have interviewed Pace about this industry because it was an industry I think I, I probably not speaking alone, knew zero about, and now I know a little something about it. And again, you know, like most of our episodes, really eye-opening and the amount of harm these niches in our society, it's probably too big to call it a niche, but these different activities that we're undertaking in the world are, are having on our planet And overall, I view globalization as such a positive thing. It forced us to engage with each other. It's kind of like this unofficial peace treaty, right? That we're relying on each other for for goods and services and being connected and in good relationship has a positive economic impact. But it's interesting hearing, you know, the damage that globalization has caused just moving all this shit around, right? On these giant ships that you burn up the dirtiest fuel out there. How would you describe the problem you're solving? The shipping
1: industry runs off of the dirtiest fuel we have, heavy fuel oil, and now diesel It's cleaning up and still running off of like ultra-sulfur diesel. But all other transportation methods are converting over to decarbonized propulsion and power, and um, the shipping industry is a little bit behind. And it's such a big industry, it's really complex, so it's a tough one to solve for. But that's what we're trying to solve for is how do we act as a catalyst to getting the shipping industry to decarbonize? And what are the technologies? What are the first dominoes that we can push over? And that's, uh, that's what we've been working on at Switch
0: Maritime. I think an important thing to note in this problem is the scale of it. You really opened my eyes to the scale of it. Like When people think about you know the emissions crisis. A lot of people go towards you know cars and vehicles and how we all need to buy Teslas and Priuses. Before that, can you uh, paint a picture on the scale of of the issue you're tackling?
1: Yeah, it's um, over a billion tons of CO two a year. Put that in perspective. Sort of narrow down into like what these what these uh, pieces of equipment are. You know they're huge. We don't really see them all that much, right? Unless you're in a port totally. city. Even in a port city, you don't really see it that much. Um, my eyes were open to it when I joined up with my partner, a, a buddy of mine, a ski friend of mine, and I'll tell you the story, sort of give you a little sense of the scale. I was working on real estate, like commercial industrial buildings, trying to retrofit them. And we were raising money to do that. And um, my friend asked, could he you know, use that fund for his ship? He worked in, you know, Hayden's father had a shipping company and they had a ship that was just coming out of uh, the shipyard. Uh, really, you know, small to medium sized tanker, but still use a lot of power. And maybe we could help, you know, convert it to uh, either uh, fuel efficiency methods or convert the fuel. And I asked him, I was like, cool, like how, you know, how much you know, fuel does he use? And he said 25,000 gallons. And I was like, I just didn't even, <laughs> I couldn't fathom how much yeah. that was. And I was like, per year? And he's like, no, that's per day that we burn. And that's like a smaller ship. Um, and there's a hundred thousand of them. Uh, those big ships running around the world 24/7. They never stop running. So those are that's the bigger you know that's the big problem. Um, I think if you were to quantify this, the CO2 you know, next to like a country, um, it's equal to the the biggest the sixth largest country in the world, Germany. The shipping industry is and. Uh, yeah, there's also, uh, you know, in addition to the big ships, there's all the ships that run around, you know, the harbor craft that are in the cities where we live and emitting in the air we breathe all the time. And those are the, the ferries and the tugs. And so that's also, even though the, those are smaller ones, they, they also contribute a large portion of the problem. So um, that's what we're focused on: is can we start small, help transition these subsegments of the shipping industry that are a little bit easier maybe to convert over, and then start tackling the big dogs
0: and you know you talked a little bit about how you got introduced to this issue you know your friend telling you how much it takes to fill up a single ship what what was your journey from holy shit what's going on with this industry and you recognizing what's happening to like this is now my personal mission and you know I'm, I'm gonna take up this challenge to revolutionize this industry
1: yeah i had, uh, no idea how i sort of fell into it but um <laughs> We, you know, it was just a problem that was like too, you know, too juicy to, to not you know, totally. take, a, take a bite of. And it was, it was early on. This was in 2012, which doesn't seem like that long ago. But the shipping industry at that time really didn't have many solutions. Um, there weren't that many companies that were dedicated to solving that issue. They were just getting going with you know, emissions regulations only really in North America and Northern Europe. And that was just starting. Uh, in, a, in an incremental way. And that was focused exclusively on sulfur. It wasn't trying to tackle carbon at all. And so it just was, you know, a, a a big problem that was standing right in front of you. And you're like, ah, well, I think I know what I want to dedicate my next decade or two <laughs> to and, like going to have plenty to work on. Right. Um, and it's just, it's, it's also a pretty fascinating industry. You know, I, I knew nothing about shipping before getting into it. And it's just one of those industries that you don't really know too much about unless you're in it. And it's, you know, it's just sort of mystical and, and, and you, you know, all these cowboys out in the ocean uh, totally. that don't really have jurisdiction over their, you know, what they were doing. I mean, they, the, the shipping industry has to self-regulate because there is no one country that has jurisdiction over the ocean. So, you know, there just was a lot to do. And I think coming from the energy efficiency space um, in real estate, which, you know, was getting busier and busier and. Um, a lot more people getting involved. It was it was attractive and compelling to to try to go tackle a fun industry that really didn't have much going on in the way of carbon decarbonization. And I'd say now, over the past you know, I mean, really in the past year or two, a day doesn't go by without having someone announce that they're like you know going to achieve zero carbon by X year. And right, and
0: right, so right. it's really
1: you know the the momentum's picked up at least in the industry, sort of committing to to that. So. Pretty exciting
0: to see. As you got up to speed on this industry and, and tried to figure out, like, how the hell did we get here, right? How did we get to the creation of this space that's just dumping so many emissions into into our atmosphere? I wonder, you know, what were the key moments in history that you that you found in turn that allowed for this? uh It's what you call it, like it's a bunch of cowboys out there. <laughs> this the, the the <laughs> basically unregulated industry that's you know burning the dirtiest of fuels. How did we arrive here?
1: Yeah, I mean the simple, you know, simple answer is just how much, you know, how globalized we are. Is, uh, you know, there's no one country with with its borders. We we're all interdependent, relying on each other, and. Everything you know we touch and have and and use ninety percent of it comes off a ship at some point like it's been transported like that right. microphone in front of you is you know came off a ship <laughs> you know and oh. um, and so because our economy relies on it so much just grew with how all of our economies grew and it's uh it's massively important for for the economies we know of today um, and so you know as you solve for moving goods from one side of the world to another it really just became a game of uh, how big could we go like the more it's actually a relatively efficient form of transportation purely because of the size at which you can transport like if you think about a train you are limited to one box or two boxes on a on a rail car and there's only so many rail cars you can link up on a truck you know same thing you're limited whereas on a ship you can you can build it as big as the ocean can hold it, so it's you know, so you actually get a lot of goods on one vessel. And now the the vessels are, you know, they've been building in the last decade of just are it's mind-boggling how big they are. These twenty-three thousand TEU container ships. Yeah, we, and, we, all, we um, all
0: became familiar with just how big they can become with that one that got stuck in the uh, Suez Canal. Right, you know, couple, yeah. I don't think <laughs> I, I, I certainly wasn't aware that there were ships as big as the Empire State Building rolling around in the ocean.
1: Yeah, no, that's sort of the moments like those that sort of bring it to the forefront of our collective consciousness. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. That's what we use. Um, so <laughs> it, it just when you think about the industry and how it got to where it is today, it just, it was always a game of like, how, how much can we move in the most efficient manner? And, you know, diesel is the, a really good fuel in the sense that it packs a lot of you know it it, in order to move these massive chunks of steel through the ocean at the speeds that they move and how much water it displaces it requires a ton of energy ton of energy and so as the shipping industry evolved to be able to move more and more the energy form that that was needed you know went from like sail to steam to to then you know diesel or heavy i should say heavy it was even Worse than diesel, sort of clean compared to what the shipping industry was using, which was heavy fuel oil. Mm. But it just packs a lot of energy into a small space, right? That's what you needed for a ship because you only had so much real estate. Right. And so that's how it sort of evolved to these huge, you know, building size engine rooms and heavy fuel oil and diesel tanks that are used uh, today.
0: So this isn't a new problem, but the scale of it. I imagine that 100,000 ships that you're talking about is relatively new in terms of like the globalized economy in the last 20, 30 years and how interconnected we've all been. Am I correct in assuming that like the last 30 years has been transformational or 40 in terms of like the scale of this issue?
1: Yeah, no, I'd say that's a safe way to think about it. And coincidentally, as you think about the life cycle of these assets, they're generally 20, 30, 40, you know, maybe if they're in freshwater, you know, 50 or or longer, but three decades is sort of a normal, would be a normal ship life. And we've got a lot of ships out there that were built in the last 30 years, 40 years, and that need to be renewed. One of the challenges I think we have as an industry is just to make sure that we're not building another ship that runs off diesel or heavy fuel oil, because that'll last for another 30, 40 years. Or longer with the emissions associated with that so we're at this point in time where we just have to make sure everything that's built new is built you know decarbonized
0: that's a great opportunity to transition to like how you're going about solving it let's talk about your work a little bit and what you're up to
1: yeah thanks um there's no one person who can come out and say i'm going to solve this we're just sort of uh, you know I, I look at it as okay there's what what can we achieve what can we do now because there's always a lot of like waiting for the future at some point there'll be a future technology that'll solve this. And that's what you don't want um, <laughs> right. that sort of passive wait for it to happen. And then I'll adopt it. What we're essentially trying to do is prove to the industry that it can be done and, you know, make really compelling investments in that transition, because we believe that shipping's not going away. It's just as important as it always was. It's just, we need to be able to run it in a low carbon economy. And so there's going to be just like Sale and then there was a hundred years of steam and then there was about a hundred years of petroleum products. We're now at the, like that next century of what will be okay. What's going to run the shipping industry um, going forward? And so this, you know, this sort of once in in a multi-generation opportunity for this transition to occur. Can we help put the assets into place that are going to support that both on the the demand side, so the ships that are going to be using the alternative fuels as well as the infrastructure that's needed to distribute, to supply and distribute that cleaner fuel to the ships. So um, that's what we do. We're building right now, you know, we have a, a bunch of different projects, but one, the one that we're launching at the moment is the first hydrogen fuel cell ship powered by 100% hydrogen fuel cell um, and launching that in the next few weeks. And then that'll be a smaller vessel, 75-passenger ferry. And we see that technology being scaled into larger vessels and we just think that being able to come out and uh show that switch maritime has been able to do it and once it's proven then you know it really forces shipping industry you know sort of existing operators to say okay it's no longer i'm going to wait for the future i guess it works right and so i have to now answer the question why haven't i adopted it um that's sort of i think a forcing function that comes out of it
0: and, and just to ask the stupid question, hydrogen fuel cell. So you, you're, you're getting ships that are using these really dirty fuels and we're switching them to a hydrogen fuel cell. What does that actually mean in practice?
1: So simply we're just electrifying the vessels to start. So that's, you know, that's using a uh, electric motor versus a diesel driven motor. Okay. And then the question is, and, and actually a lot of that has already, there, there are a lot of uh, ships out there, really big ships that have electric motors. So that's nothing new for the shipping industry. It's just the question is, where does that motor get its electrons from right. to power it? And so what we're trying to do is you know, make sure these vessels are electrified and then power that electric motor with uh, either battery only or sometimes you just can't fit enough battery on, on board a ship. And so the fuel cell and the hydrogen through that fuel cell produces electrons that sort of allows it to charge the battery while you're underway. So yeah, you take yeah, your, you know, you take your, your generation with you and the fuel cell is, is providing the electrons, the electric motor. So quite simply, we're just electrifying vessels.
0: The next question, you talked a little bit about it. Like it's, it's a broad question, which is how's it going? It sounds like you're making progress on these ferry boats and there's actually a decent sized industry to tackle in that alone. So I just wanted to throw it to you. Like how's the traction so far? What's on the horizon for you? What are you excited by?
1: It's a big opportunity in front of us, and we are hoping that more and more folks jump in uh, and, and are trying to do it. But right now, we're, we're launching the first, and it's a it's a ferry. I think there's a really interesting ferry market here in the U.S. and globally. So I, I really like the ferry market in the U.S. There's like uh, almost a thousand of them. They're all average age just under 30 years. And so they're just in desperate need of renewal. So that
0: turnover is just about to happen.
1: Yeah. And now we're getting, you know, at the same time, this convergence of a lot of political support, you know, potential non-dilutive capital that's coming into the market with grants and loans and loan guarantees and other tools that the government can use to help, you know, tax credits. I think there's, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of sort of uh, support for converting to decarbonized assets. Um, and so, you know, I think we, we take that, run with that for a while, build a number of these. And if we build 25 out of a thousand, doesn't seem like a lot when you think about the larger, you know, fleet in the U.S. But actually, you know, when you think about the capital that you get to deploy, right. um, which is what we're doing, we're putting together, you know, essentially putting like private equity to work, in these long-lived core capital assets that are going to be around for the next few decades, you know, with contracted cash flows, you know, it's a lot of capital we get to put to work. And you know, each of those ferries is 5 to $10 million to build. So it's a lot of, you know, 25 would be a big, you know, I, I think just a few would be a big success, but uh, that's what I'm excited about these next few years.
0: Right on. Well, last question we ask uh, before we give you the floor. If you're as successful as possible, everything breaks your way from no more big deals falling through, no more COVID crisis, everything breaks your way for the next decade. What's true about the world in 10 years?
1: I think 10 years from now, and I truly believe this, I think as we totally business as usual to be transporting good, you know, trucks, trains, ships with, you know, we'll have figured out how to do it with. Zero carbon, and that'll just be the way it's done and it'll be eyebrow raising to see vessels in the shipping industry that are still chugging along with with the big black smokestacks and I think that's gonna i think we're we're on a path it's very early days we have a lot to solve, especially for you know how do we move capital to make these changes i mean that's where that's where we get stuck right is' like totally everyone's on board until they have to put their dollar up and then they're like, well, wait a minute. What are the risks with this? You know, this technology is not proven or,
0: right.
1: you know, it doesn't have the right contracts or, you know, it's just, uh, I'd rather invest in something that's a little less risky. If we can solve for that where we have really big dollars, you know, cause this isn't like venture capital, right? This is really big, heavy steel, uh, assets that we're building that are super right. capital. This isn't a mobile app. <laughs> no, this isn't this a is software, intense. you know, <laughs> yeah. which I'm always like, why didn't I just go into like something easier, like not easier, 50K, but, you know, something less, less <laughs> capital intensive, um, because that's, <laughs> the, that's the struggle we have is, is mm. always just getting the, the capital to go into these, you know, sort of industry pushing projects. It's, you know, there is a very fine line between the leading edge and the bleeding edge. And, and so it's, we'll see what happens with this upcoming infrastructure package. You know, there could be a lot of movement. I think you'll see, we're already seeing a ton of like ESG flow. Yeah, you know, I think we're, in 10 years from now, we're looking at a decarbonized, potentially a, working our way toward close to a decarbonized transportation.
0: Fantastic. All right, well, Pace Rally, thank you so much for your time, man. I want to give you the floor, whatever you want to share, you know, go wild. It's all yours.
1: Thanks, man. Let's see, where do I start? No, I'm kidding. I have, um, we are out there trying to get, I'll say first, we're trying to get, you know, folks to sign up for, for adopting these technologies. So if you ride ferries or you're, you know, have a voice toward a municipality or a company that, you know, that's currently operating ferries, you know, be, be that voice that says, hey, it would be awesome if you guys, we would, you know, we would ride it more. You know, we would uh, support this business more if this business was making the transition, you know, that it really does change the way businesses act and help be that voice. Um, we are also raising some crowdfunded equity, which is kind of fun. You know, a lot of these it. dollars that we've been, a lot of these dollars that we raise are, you know, sort of big shipping infrastructure, private equity dollars, really the people who invest and own these, these really large chips are, you know, sort of industry insiders. And we've, Taking this fun path to incorporate crowdfunding, you know, Reg CF, the SEC just increased it from 1 million to 5 million that could be raised through crowdfunding. So we're doing that on WeFunder and Switch Maritime. If you just look up WeFunder, Switch Maritime, uh, you can invest as little well as $100 and be an owner of, of the first ever ship run by hydrogen fuel cell. Those are my two messages. Join us.
0: Thank you for listening to Radical Ones. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com radicalones. You can also follow us on social at Radical Ones Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and safe. Take care.